On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, Barhead's Devery Vandekeer joins us to talk about his journey in the baseball world and where he'd like to go from here. Welcome to episode 71 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. The Vandekeer name is synonymous with baseball in the Barhead area, northwest of Edmonton. Keith was a standout pitcher with the Barhead Blue Jays and was a member of the Canadian national team before turning his attention to coaching and teaching. He was Baseball Alberta's Ted Rudd Minor Coach of the Year in 2000 and 2002 and was made a Baseball Alberta Life member in 2011. So it's pretty easy to see why his son Devery would pick up a bat and excel at the sport. A star with his hometown teams as a youngster, he went on to Phoenix Junior College College and Louisiana Lafayette before being drafted by the Kansas City Royals in the 48th round of the 2007 MLB draft. After a couple of years with Idaho Falls in the Pioneer League, he went down his own path, traveling the world while playing and coaching. Now 34, Van Dekeer is in Vancouver and has his eyes set on wearing the Maple Leaf. We chatted with him earlier this week about where he's been, where he's going, and some of the lessons he's learned along the way. Devery, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, nice to uh, be here with you today. Thanks for the call. Take us back to the very beginning and how a kid from Barhead, Alberta, manages to find himself in a career of baseball. Yeah, my first memories are from my father. Um, I remember being a little kid crawling through the crawl space and opening up up these boxes and seeing Team Canada memorabilia from my dad. And it was just so fascinating to see pictures of him basically around the world, you know, whether it was Guatemala, Nicaragua, Korea, uh, and then eventually listening to some of his stories. And so that, that's kind of the first memories off the field, just seeing pictures and maybe hearing a few stories. And so the, the love of the game definitely grew from there. Was it weird at the time, given that, you know, here you are in Alberta where we're talking always about hockey or maybe football enters the mindset, but here you are going through some memories of baseball's past? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think about when I was 14, 15 years old, I was a big kid and I was a pretty decent hockey player, but hockey was never a focus for me. It was always baseball. And so despite the short season, uh, that we have in Alberta, I, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to pursue baseball. I knew baseball was my love. Uh, did I enjoy hockey? Yeah, still do. Still uh, enjoy watching it. But it's always been inside of me, just this passion for baseball. And, and as I said, it obviously came from my dad's influence. As you got older, were you able to maybe poke and prod for a few stories just to get a sense of where all your dad had been? Yeah, absolutely. Um one of my favorites would be his time in Central America. So he he talks, you know, he just gives a few details, right? Not everything. To, he doesn't want to scare you, but he talks about his time in Nicaragua. And there's semi-automatic uh, guns in the dugout, and there's obviously, you know, a couple of security guards in there making sure that nothing bad is going to happen to Team Canada. And so hearing the story of that is is. You know, it's exciting. It's obviously a little bit uh, nervous, but just just listening to some of the stories of him in Central America, 
it, it sounds like an adventure. And then, you know what, naturally I pursued baseball and travel, traveling also. So I was, I was pretty fortunate. Now let's take us th- or now take us through some of your journey because obviously Barhead's not exactly the place that is going to be front and central for for baseball. But you managed to carve out quite the name for yourself. When did you start to notice that hey maybe I might be able to take this game a little further than the average kid who just happens to like this sport? I think it started to make sense when I was regularly being picked up by teams to go to nationals like when barhead didn't win or when i was selected for team alberta and you know i think about when we were in pei when i was 12 years old i was the top hitter in uh, for team alberta and so i was uh, awarded a baseball bat and then you know i i obviously pitched at the under 17 um, championship in melville in i think it was 2001 or 2002 and I pitched six and two-thirds scoreless. And so this is versus some of the best um, players in the country. And so things, I think, just slowly started to unfold. Like, I, re- I realized that I was a decent player, um, but I really wanted to do something with my career. So I, I guess the funny thing about that, that Team Alberta experience was they never let me hit. And as I decided to move on with my baseball career, I I had to be a walk-on. There's no recruiting in Barhead, Alberta for uh, college baseball programs. Mm -hmm. And so I was a walk-on at Phoenix College. And my first day, I still had not decided if I was going to pursue pitching or if I wanted to hit. And so, yeah, I I guess that's kind of a motivation for me also. When, When people tell me that I can't do things, it just, it drives me nuts. It drives me absolutely crazy, especially as an athlete. And so at 17 years old, competing in the Canada Cup, and they wouldn't let me hit. It just fueled this fire inside of me. And so, yeah, fast forward a couple of years later there when I'm at the basically the fall tryouts at Phoenix College. Okay, well, I'm throwing 85, 86, 87 miles an hour. All these other guys are throwing 90 and have curveballs. I don't have a curveball. I've got a forkball. I, I decided at that point, okay, well, let's let's pursue hitting. Let's let's uh, forget about the pitching from now on. Was that a difficult transition for you, or were you able to? Because you know, being in Alberta, you probably had to do a whole bunch of everything. You were able to make that transition fairly easily. Um. I think the difficult part was, number one, being away from home for the first time. And it wasn't like it was just a a couple-hour drive. It was a couple-hour flight. Um, A big adjustment, too, was, well, day one, the weather, Joe, was 45 degrees. Day one, Phoenix College, I'm a college baseball player trying to be, and it's 45 degrees. I'm like, I've I've never experienced this in Barhead, Alberta before, right? But... um, I think the transition came pretty naturally. I I was a decent athlete and I had a big passion for the game. So my first year in the States, I was on the field every day. And so naturally I, I improved more than a lot of the other guys. Did that make it maybe a little bit easier for you with that transition into being just a hitter was just the, the mindset of, hey, I'm away from home. I don't want to be sitting in the in the dorm room or in the apartment or wherever I am. I can go to the field and I can work on this day after day after day. Yeah, it, uh, it it's interesting how it unfolded. Um, I don't think my arm would have uh, been able to handle 
just what pitchers have to go through. So slowly I started to learn about hitting. I didn't know much coming from northern Alberta. My hitting coach was John Osborne, who is another uh, barhead baseball name, and then my dad, and that's kind of the extent of my, my hitting coaches. And it was very minimal, right? And so I kind of had to start from day one. I remember being 18, 19, and I, I had coaches who really believed in me, Coach Frady and Coach Reynolds at Phoenix College. But, you know, they weren't awesome hitting coaches. They were they were awesome just coaches in general and somebody who believed in me. So I, I really had to learn how to hit, and I learned by doing. I learned by uh, basically the, the, the teammates that I had. Um, and it just it slowly started to make sense. Actually, when I was at Phoenix College after my first year, I was a little frustrated with the lack of hitting coach. And so, um, remember Dave Robb? Do you remember that, mm-hmm. that baseball name? Yeah, absolutely. So Oaks Dogs. Yeah, so he was uh, he was involved with Mesa Community College, which was one of our rivals at Phoenix College. And so, I actually went and did a few like private hitting lessons with him, and I wanted to. Um, you know, learn as much as I could about hitting. I just didn't feel like I was getting instructed well enough and actually considered transferring to Mesa, but he kind of advised against it, uh, just didn't want to cause any internal uh, issues. And so I stuck with Phoenix College, which actually turned out to be um, a pretty good thing. I hit 350. It's a Woodback conference. I hit 350 mm-hmm. my second year. And I remember playing versus Mesa at, at home at Phoenix College. And I had three doubles. And Dave Robb was just kind of sitting there shaking his head thinking, oh, we should have taken this guy. <laughs> so then you end up uh, going over to University of Louisiana, Lafayette. And you end up in 2007 getting drafted by the Kansas City Royals. Do you remember where you were when you got that phone call or you got that message saying, hey, the Royals are interested? Yeah, I actually had kind of given up because despite a really good junior year, uh, I had two months where uh, things really fell apart and it was not at the best time. Um, And so I was driving. I was with a friend. We were driving to, I don't know, a mall or something. And it was the middle of the draft and I had kind of uh, decided that it wasn't going to happen. But Luckily, one, st- uh, one scout stuck with me through that difficult two-month period. And um, that was, yeah, one of the, absolutely one of the best moments of my life uh, to realize it wasn't a prank phone call. And despite it being a very late round, uh, I was about to sign a professional baseball contract. You mentioned how you don't like being told you can't do something. And so even despite that late round, did you have it in your mind that, hey, I've got to try to make a name for myself here? And you get into Idaho Falls and and played particularly well. Yeah, that's just kind of been my story. And it's it's a good message, I think, to the young listeners out there, Joe. Um, and it, it is kind of cliche, right? But you have to believe in yourself. And I was absolutely fueled by people not believing in me. I can think about summer baseball in Virginia. The coach didn't believe me. I can think about summer baseball in New England. The coach did believe in me. I can think about my coaches with the Royals my first year in the minors. They absolutely did believe in me. And it was a new start. And yeah, it's it's unfortunate that it, it ended after two years. I enjoyed my two years with the Royals, but 
I, I just didn't think the best of me was out. And so, again, you know, that's a common theme. It drove me nuts that the Royals didn't believe in me at that point. As you look back on all of your travels, be it in North America or across the world, any favorite memories that come to mind? Uh, starting in Alberta, um, without a doubt, we somehow, well, obviously through my dad, but we won provincials three times, the little town of Barhead. One time was double A, and then two times, both Bantam and Midget, we won triple A provincials. And so we loved nothing more than just beating the big city boys, and we got a town of 4,000 people. It was so satisfying. So that, that for me, was the highlight of my, my, you know, the first half of my life, really, in Alberta. Um, traveling, went to PEI and Windsor and, and to Melville and then to Trois-Rivières and then um, just, a, just a whole whole bunch of wonderful experiences in Alberta. Uh, Phoenix College, uh, yeah, kind of like I said, the, the one thing that sticks out is that uh, my, my second year and then especially that game versus Dave Robb and I actually wonder if he remembers that game. Um in summer ball, as I said, I was in Virginia and then in New England. Um, one of the highlights was I was chosen to be in the home run derby in the NECBL, the New England Collegiate Baseball League. Mm-hmm. And throwing terrible batting practice was none other than Tommy John. So that was a highlight. Um, at the University of Louisiana Lafayette, that is an absolutely amazing place to play baseball. We played in front of two to 3,000 fans, sometimes more. And the environment was electric. It was an honor. Uh, honestly, that time at Louisiana Lafayette, those two years were better than my two years playing in the minor leagues. Um, it was it was pretty special. But, you know, just then going on to memories, uh, I think about actually Eric Hosmer's first professional uh, day in a, uh, in a dugout. Uh, I had expected that I would be sitting the rest of the year after he signed his big contract. Mm. And so I was uh, pretty sick that day. And I'll let the listeners try to put the pieces of the puzzle together. But they, we got to the field and they said, actually, we want Hosmer to watch. So, Deborah, you're going to play today. So I wasn't feeling very well and ended up having the best baseball day of my life. I was four for six. I think I had seven RBIs, a couple of bombs, uh, and... Yeah, Hosmer afterwards said, "Oh, is this is this what I'm getting myself into?" So, yeah, and then you know, finally, the time in Europe was really special. If you'd have told me that uh, I was going to stay there for eight years coaching baseball, I'd have said you're crazy. The plan was six months, but I ended up doing. You know, I opened up a little sports consultation business, and I did work in Austria, Belgium, Germany, France, Italy, Switzerland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Poland, Hungary, England, Greece, Croatia, and it it just exploded into this this really interesting business where I did work for the Austrian Baseball Federation. I worked for Major League Baseball International. Uh, I would independently run baseball camps and then, of course, coach uh, full-time the Dornburn Indians. So I just, as I said at the beginning, Joe, I just fell in love with, with traveling and with baseball, and I just don't see... I don't see an end. Um, it's, it's a huge passion of mine. And so I actually, I, I um, went to Vietnam and uh, the goal was not for baseball, but I ended up 
volunteering for about 10 days uh, with two different baseball clubs in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And then uh, same thing about 12 months ago, I was in Hong Kong. And actually, baseball in Hong Kong is not bad. So I spent two weeks volunteering with the Hong Kong Baseball Federation. And so, as I said, I just, I just don't see my travels stopping anytime soon. My wife supports it. And, yeah, it's something we're very passionate about. Hard to believe when you look back on all that time that you've been able to accomplish so much, especially given that you're this Alberta boy who wasn't necessarily expected to get as far as you have, and yet here you are, you know, blazing your own trail. Yeah, and as I kind of said earlier, I don't look back on the past too much. I really am a forward thinker, and so for me, I appreciate you interviewing me and and making me introspect a little bit. It's been enjoyable the last couple of days, just kind of jotting a few things down. But my focus is forward. And so the ultimate goal was to follow in dad's footsteps and wear that Team Canada jersey across my chest. Unfortunately, it didn't happen as a player. I feel like it was close, but it didn't happen. And so I can only hope that... Greg Hamilton and the Team Canada staff somehow gets to know who I am and somehow believes in me. And so I feel like I'm making the right steps to get there at some point in the next hopefully five years. Um, You might be familiar with the NCCP training. Mm -hmm. I'm finishing up that, and I've actually been selected by uh, David Lang here at uh, Baseball BC to represent BC and so I'll finish my training along with one coach from each province and so we're going to be in Florida in April and um, there's a really good Masters of High Performance Coaching at UBC that I hope to enter and I just really think these are the right steps moving forward so I can ultimately get that Canadian jersey across my chest. Well, and one of the things, like you said, we talked a little bit about just wanting to look forward more than look back. And and so I'm curious from that standpoint, then, as you look forward, how important is it for you to be able to give back to the game that has been able that you've been able to attach yourself to one? And then two is to be able to be a a teacher of the game as well, because I know that's what your your father did as well was was a teacher. Yeah, I get so much satisfaction working with young baseball players and then seeing the results. I remember working so hard with a kid in Austria and he eventually hit his first home run. And just to see that joy on his face is it's priceless to me. And I've never made these decisions, uh, for money as you know there's not a lot of money in baseball in in this country and so for me it's it is about giving back it is about passing on what I have I feel like I have some good information some good experiences that uh, some young athletes can hopefully benefit from and again you know both my parents are actually teachers and that's that's the environment that I grew up in I grew up in an athletic house and a house where you need to be educated and you need to focus on education. And so, yeah, what am I doing now? The last two plus years I'm in Vancouver and I am a full-time baseball instructor. Uh, I, I am basically a teacher. What am I teaching? I am teaching athletic movements. I'm teaching baseball specific movements. And I really feel like I, 
apply some of the things that my parents do as they were, they were wonderful educators. And I, I feel like I apply some of the things that I've learned from them as I'm teaching baseball. Was there one piece of advice that you've received over the years that has stuck with you throughout your entire journey that you still live by to this day? For me, it's about cognitive development. Ultimately, the the advice that I've gotten along the way from my parents, from a guy like Alan Jagger, who I met in college, from... You know, I'm very much into Eastern philosophy, and it's all the same message. It's about all that happens to you is the result of what is in your mind. And baseball is a perfect example of that. You see all sorts of professional baseball players with perfect baseball swings. What's the difference between the guy with a perfect baseball swing who hits 320 and the guy with a perfect baseball swing who hits 220? Well, the difference is between the ears and so for me that also translates off the field it's not just an on the field deal here I I really believe in personal development and if part of that happens through sports that's wonderful but it's it's ultimately it's about taking care of your uh, your your, those 50,000 thoughts that you're having every day as you think about where you want to go from a coaching perspective do you care about what level you're trying to coach? Are you hoping maybe younger kids, college level, maybe the girls game? Is there anywhere in particular that you'd love to, to focus on as you go forward? I'm very open. Uh, I've kind of given up this idea of having a five-year plan. Um, things come my way, and I've always been very grateful for that. This, this full-time job I have here in Vancouver, I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Um, what is coming next and when is, it, when is it coming? I have absolutely no idea. But I am I'm very open to whatever it is that is coming. And I'm also working while I wait for what could be the next opportunity. And as I said, I, I hope it is leading towards Team Canada. For those that you do coach, what is one piece of advice that maybe you give to them that you would love to pass along to maybe some of those younger people who might be listening to this podcast today? Be a student of the game. Um, when I was in junior high and in high school, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have smartphones. These kids can they can see what professional baseball players are doing with their swings, with their throwing motion. They have access to everything that they need and learn as much as you can. You hear it all the time, even from, you know, the guys that have been around baseball for 60 years, how they're still learning things. Well, I remember when I was, I remember when I was 14 and uh, the John Urcandia took me with the, with the Okotoks guys to all over BC. And I thought I knew everything. I was 14 years old and I thought I knew everything. And so the biggest advice is just learn as much as you can. Final question for you, as you've had the opportunity now to kind of take a look back at your journey and also a chance to look forward, what does it mean to you to have been able to take this journey and go as far as you have gone and continue to strive for more in the baseball world? Yeah, I I really believe in lifelong learning, and I believe regardless of how old you are, you should be trying to chase things. You You should want to be the best person that you want. And so 
I, I just can't imagine, I can't imagine a life for myself where I'm not chasing after something, where I'm not wanting to be better. I can't imagine a life where I don't have a fire burning inside of me that I have to listen to. And so whatever it is, uh, just find, find your passion and, and uh, chase after it. Yeah, we appreciate all of your time. Thank you so much for diving into it with us here on the podcast and all the best in your future endeavors. Good luck to you guys, too. Thanks a lot, Joe. Thanks again to Devery Vandekeer for joining us this week. We'd also like to thank all of you for downloading and listening to the podcast, which you can hear on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And if it allows, don't forget to leave us a rating and review as those kinds of things help spread the word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more stories on baseball's past, present, and future in our province. Until next time, thanks again for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.